Lord, we thank you, Lord, this morning. So far, like the early church, we have been devoting ourselves to worship. We have devoted ourselves to your table. And Lord, as we come now, Lord, help us devote ourselves to your word. Help us to come now and concentrate on your word, to think about what you're saying to us today. And I pray the Father God that we would take your word today we would run with it in our lives and as we meet in life groups this week we pray that we would apply it to our hearts to see how we can live that out and father god we just thank you lord that your word brings so much entrance of life to us so we thank you for your word in jesus precious name amen and amen bless the lord it's so good to see you thanks um ruth the book of Ruth, that's where we're going to go this morning. And if you want to open your Bible at chapter 3, we'll be just looking at one verse um, of Ruth chapter 3, just in a wee bit of time. Um, just to say that historians probably think that Ruth lived approximately 1,300 years before the Lord Jesus walked in this earth. So 1,300 years before Jesus walked on the earth, Ruth and Naomi had their, their, their story. And I just want to remind you, some of you this morning who have been in church for a long time will know this story really well, but if you are a young Christian, you might not know a wee bit about this story. So I'm going to give you a wee bit of background about the story of Ruth and Naomi. Basically what happened was Naomi was married to a man called Emelech. They lived in Bethlehem, but then there was a famine. There was a famine in Bethlehem, and instead of maybe riding the night to see what happened, because it turned out in the history of this, the famine only lasted a short time, and they moved their family, their two sons, over to a place called Moab. And they basically, what they did was, if you can remember the map of Israel, right in the middle of it, there's the Dead Sea, and as um, Bethlehem is to the left of that, and they did this walk, and you can imagine all those years ago, it was long, it was like here from Dublin, and they go right up over the Dead Sea and right down into the, la the land of Moab, which would be Jordan today. And they took them and their two sons, and their two sons then met these girls, Ruth and Orpha. And they married them. And things were okay for a while, but then Amalek died. Which meant that this lady, Naomi, was a bit destitute, other from the fact that she had her two sons. Because there was no national health service in those days. So basically what happened was, if you had a husband to look after you, it went to your sons. So these two boys, then unfortunately they died. And Naomi was really left destitute in this foreign land with her son's dead. And she was going to bid her daughter-in-law's goodbye to go back to her home in Bethlehem to do that walk on her own again. Now, one of the daughters, Orpha, she wanted to go back to her own people. But this week, our Ruth would not leave her mother-in-law's side. She says, your people will be my people. She wanted to go and do the journey back to Bethlehem, and she clung to Naomi, and these two ladies made their way back to Bethlehem. And as they get back there into their own land, really destitute, Ruth goes out to start gleaning in the fields, a man's field called Boaz. 
And Boaz was very gracious to her. He looked out for her. He made sure the people would drop some stuff. The men would drop some barley on the field so she could come and claim it as her own and use it. So he was being very gracious towards us. Then Naomi realized that this man Boaz was someone called a kinsman redeemer. He was a far-off guardian. Basically what he was, was a far-off relative. And in those days, somebody who was a far-off relative, they could basically take you on and look after you. And this was the hope of Ruth and Naomi, that this man Boaz would look after them and take them on. And Naomi, being a typical mother-in-law, type of woman, I'm going to say, not very much for my mother-in-law's in the meeting this morning, but just started to matchmake. In fact, I am going to say something about my mother-in-law this morning. Many years ago, my mother-in-law, before she was my mother-in-law, said to my mother, I wish your Stephen would go with Donna. <laughs> and just to say she's regretted it ever since, but there, it's another story. <laughs> but she started to matchmake. And she tells Ruth to go when the men at night were lying on the threshing floor at the end of their work and they had some food, had something to drink, and they were sleeping. And she said, go put on your best clothes and I want you to lie at his feet. That's a bit bizarre in our culture, isn't it? But she goes in the middle of the night and she lies at her feet and she uncovers his feet. Now, I think the reason for that was she wanted him to get cold toes so he would wake up. But I want you to look, and we're going to put it up because it's in the, I'm going to look at it, the contemporary English version this morning. I want you to look at this one verse from Ruth 3 and 9, and it says this. He says, who are you? He asked, sir, I am Ruth, she answered. And you are a relative who is um, supposed to take care of me. So, pre- so spread the edge of your cover over me. Do you remember that wee chorus years ago? Spread the mantle over me. Wasn't it? Cover me, cover me. Take the border off your mantle and cover me. Now, what was that all about? That was a strange thing. He says, you take your cover and you cover me. But what was that? That was a betrothal. That was this lady saying to this man, I want you to marry me. I want you to take me on. I want us to be one couple. And this guy, Boaz, flattered as he was, realizes, but actually, you've a nearer, nearer kinsman than me. But he goes again, he shows great compassion, and he goes and he, he talks to that person, and he, he speaks to them, and that person wasn't willing to take Ruth on. And he gets to win Ruth of his bride, comes into relationship with Ruth, and then Naomi once again has someone to take care of her. They get married, Ruth and Boaz get married. They bear a son. And this son becomes the grandfather of King David who wrote all the Psalms. And the lovely thing about this is this. This girl, Ruth, was not a Jewess. She wasn't one of God's chosen people. But in this story, we see 1,300 years before Jesus walked this earth, an outsider is brought into the family of God, and that family within God becomes down the ancestral line of our Redeemer, the one who brought us back 
our Savior. So an outsider becomes an insider in the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing, that story? But she's saying, will you cover me? I don't know about you, but every time you switch the television on these days, it looks like we can do nothing unless we get cover. I'm sure all of you this morning have your insurance cover. Everything's insured these days. Our pets are insured. Our homes are insured. Our cars are insured. Before you get into somebody else's car, they're saying, are you covered? We have to have coverings for everything. Travel cover for when we go abroad, only to find out that when you fall and break your leg, you weren't covered at all, and you're left uh, the devices of everybody else around you. And, but we're looking for cover. And it's great when we've got friends who will say this, I'll cover your back. What they mean is they're going to look out for you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be there for you. I'll cover your back. So we know a wee bit about cover. This morning, this sermon is probably going to be the most simplest sermon you've ever heard. But I just want to bring us back for a few moments. There were some young Christians among us this morning, and I just want to remind you what we're covered with in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have come into relationship with Jesus, I just want you to know that all bases are now covered with Christ. Now, I am not belittling our relationship with the Lord Jesus to be an insurance plan. Far, far much more. I remember a pastor going to see somebody one time and they thought he, when he knocked the door, he was the insurance man. He says, no, I'm not the insurance man. I'm the insurance man. Assurance that we have a relationship with God and what that means. And this morning, quite simply, I just want to remind you, even believers that are longer on the road, just what God has covered us for. These are five wee things this morning, and I'm sure in your life groups this week, you will find a few more. But here's five things this morning, and I hope that when you are reminded of these things today, that actually it'll lift your heart. It'll cause you to rejoice, just to be reminded of what you have been covered with when your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one of the first things is he covers our sin. Isn't that good? We should be smiling at this point because in the scripture, Romans 4, 7, 8, it says, blessed, happy. Can you please smile at me? You're starting to scare me this morning, okay? Happy, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Can you get that, church, this morning? See that wee thing that you've done that nobody else knew about, and it keeps coming back to you in the middle of the night. Or when you see a certain person, you sort of juke them because you know what you said and what you did. Hear the Scripture saying that if we confess our sin, If we bring that onto the blood, if we bring that to Jesus, he says, blessed, happy are those whose sins are not counted against them. He will never count that sin against you. Friends, to me, that should make us excited this morning. 
That should make us feel blessed today that there is no black book with all that's been happening in our lives. That Christ has forgiven us from all things. The Roman, or when the book of Romans was written, this was quoted from Psalm 32 and 1. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. There's nothing better, friends, in this life to know that what was against you has been scored out. The debt is paid. Do you know, basically, when people did had debts in Scripture, when they paid off the debt, there was a big red stamp over title SDI, paid in full. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, there's a stamp over your life, and it says the debt is paid in full. We're free from it this morning. All because of Jesus. You know, we're living in a society today where morals are very changing very, very quickly. Things that would have been talked about, said, things that would have been done years ago and hidden, you know, today everything's very, very brazen. A part of that, some good parts of that, some bad parts of that. I remember my mom saying that um, in her day when she was carrying my sister's twins, she didn't know she was having twins until she was on the bed having them. There was no scams in those days, right? And like that, and my poor granny had to go out and buy double of everything. But my mum would talk about, in those days, how women would have wore big coats over themselves, even though they were married women. And, but they would have wore, there was nearly a shame to be pregnant. And that's quite sad. Because God gave that gift. And it was a gift of love. And it's lovely that people are brought into this world through that. But we've gone from that where people were covering themselves up now that some of the guards are running around with belly tops. And I don't know about you as much as it's lovely to see a, a woman um, who is glowing. I'm not so sure I want to see all that. But not just those things, church. There's things now that are so public and so talked about that go against what God's word is about. But we're living with a society here now saying this, there's no such thing as sin. You know, the reason why people feel guilty today is because they were told they were bad people and there's no such thing as sin. But you get a young couple in love and they say there's no sin. You get a young couple in relationship that are in love and you bet your bottom dollar that he knows not what to do because he doesn't want to upset his girlfriend because he loves her. And she'll get to know because of how she loves him. There'll be certain things that he won't do because he knows that that puts a wall up between him and his girl. It's relationship. And so within our relationship with God, he has set a way for us to be able to be in love with him and walk with him, that there's ways he wants us to live because of the fact he does not want us to go further away from him, but to come close to him. And when we don't do what he wants us to do, that's where sin comes in. You know, it's a wee small Greek word, but it just means you're missing the mark. Missing the mark of where God wants you to be, that you can be in relationship with him. And that's why he died. He died to shed his blood. We celebrated Easter last Sunday, the, the cross on Friday, the resurrection on our Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, because, see, without Jesus going to the cross and dying, there would be no forgiveness for sin. 
The book of Hebrews 9 and 22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Now, Darren touched on it slightly this morning when he was doing the table by saying, in the history of the Israelite people with God, when they did wrong, they had to sacrifice an animal. Why did they have to do that? It was as well there was no animal rights people about those days, wasn't it really? But why did they have to do that? You see, the Bible tells us that life's in the blood. Well, not only does the Bible tell us that, science tells us that, that life is in the blood. So when life is shed, that's the biggest sacrifice anybody can give. Life is in the blood. And when Jesus died on the cross, he gave his life for us. And by doing that, that's what the penalty was for us to have the forgiveness of sin. Now, this morning, church, can I say this to you? Isn't it great that we're forgiven? Are you excited about being forgiven? Are you, for goodness sake, this morning, are you excited about being forgiven? <laughs> I think I'm in the wrong church. <laughs> We're excited about being forgiven, but here I think we should be really thankful of what Christ paid that we could be forgiven. That sacrifice. This morning, our sins are covered because of what Christ did on the cross. But not only are we covered by our sins, our, he covers our sins, but we're covered by his grace. Come with me to Romans. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 3, and we're just going to read um, just a few verses. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 says this, Now apart from the law, the righteous of God has been made known. To which the law and the prophets testify, the righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by grace. There's nothing we can do to get free from sin, but it's all because of God's grace. Grace was the motivation that God used for us to come to that place where we would be forgiven of our sin. And we'll just leave that reading there. Now, the word grace, when you go into the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew. And when you look at the word Hebrew, the word grace means this. It means to stoop, to bend. It means condescending favor. Now, when we say condescending in this day, it's like, who do they think they are condescending, you know? But here it's a good way. It's basically favor coming down. God showing favor coming down to us. He bows down to us and kisses us with his favor. Prince William this week was in New Zealand and he was visiting the mosque where the shooting was, a horrible, horrible shooting. But as he talked, he talked about how he himself knew what it was like to go through personal grief as he tried to reach out to the people. But it made me think about his mum. I thought Diana was a beautiful looking girl, a lovely girl. I think she did great things for, you know, royalty and very popular. But I think one of the things that warmed my heart to her was this. I don't know if you ever remember the footage of her where she was, um, in a crowd, crowd of people on the road waiting, and a wee boy was blind, her guy was blind. And um, she allowed him to touch her face. In fact, she took his hand 
and he allowed her to touch faith. This princess, this royal princess, came down low, as we would talk about a commoner, and allowed this young blind boy to touch her faith. And that's what grace is. God Most High bowing down to us, to touch us with his favor, coming to our level. He sent the Son, the Most High God, to this earth, lowly in a manger, who lived and he died to touch us with his favor. We are a favored people. And the great grace means this. It can be defined as the unmerited are the undeserving favor of God towards those who are under condemnation. I don't know about you, church, but I am so glad for God's grace. Because I can tell you this, I know I don't deserve it. Because I know me better than anybody else. And I know of my own merit, I do not deserve the favor of God. And yet he shows me his favor. He shows me great favor and love towards us. The favor of God. We are covered by his grace. Our sins are covered by the blood. We're covered by that favor. That gentleness will touch us, even though we don't deserve it. And then the third thing this morning, we're covered by his love. The greatest commandment, as we know, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Everything within is we are to love God, and he also tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And the Bible talks about, in John 15 and 13, no greater love is no one than this, and he lays down his life for his friends. And out of love, Christ left the glory of heaven. He came to this earth, and he poured out his whole being for you and me, to cover us with his love. What an act. It wasn't just, oh, I love you. I love you. And, you know, sometimes words are cheap. How often do we say to people we love them and then we don't follow up that love? And we read in First Peter 4 and 8, and the Apostle Peter is encouraging people as he writes them and he says this to them, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sin. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Now, what I want to say this to the church this morning is that if that is expected of us on a human level, that our love for one another should be so strong that it covers a multitude of sin. And 1 Corinthians 13 talks about what love really is. And a part of loving each other means you keep no record of love. So we can't really say, you know, I forgive you and then think, but I'll remember what you did. Because the Bible says to keep no record of wrong, we can't live to get even with people. We talked about Corey Ten Boom last Sunday morning. I would love to have met this wee lady. Lived through the Holocaust horrendous things were done in this lady, all because she was a Christian and she helped to save Jewish people. 
But even in her walk with God, there was times she struggled in her relationship with Jesus. And apparently it's talked about how she would go to the Lord and she would say, Lord, I did it again. And have you been there? Where you've had to go to the Lord and you've got over that wee thing and you thought I've sorted that out, me and the Lord's okay on that one. And then you find yourself a couple of weeks later, you did the very same thing all over again. And she was coming to the Lord and she says, Lord, will you forgive me? I've done it again. And the Lord reminded her of a word in Micah that says that I will take your sin and I will throw it into the sea of my forgetfulness. And she puts it over by saying this, that the Lord said during this wee conversation, she's probably having it in her head with the Lord, and the Lord said to her, what sin? You know, Lord, the one that I did, that I did the fortnight ago. And the Lord says, I don't remember. I threw that sin into the sea of my forgetfulness. Church, is not love. That he forgets even our failings. And, and when we come and we confess it to him, that he is willing to forgive. And she says at the end of that wee writing, she says, and the Lord told me to put up a sign, no fishing going back to think of what I did in my past. His love covers all bases for us. Loved and favoured. Think about that a wee minute. Seriously, guys, we should be the happiest people on earth this morning. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. Big smiles this morning. But think about this. God loving and God favoring you. Now that's easy to say. But I know this morning, even as I say that, that there are those in our gathering this morning and you still can't get that the Lord would ever love you, never mind favor you. Why would God love me? Why on earth would God favor me? So hard to comprehend. Habakkuk 2 and 14 says this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory in the Lord as the waters cover the sea. His glory, his presence is everywhere. He is known. But you know why we struggle sometimes with the fact that God would love and favor us? I said it a wee minute or two ago. Because we know us. Psalm 139, an amazing psalm, a psalm that Donna would have prayed over our boys when they were in her womb. But it says this, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with my thoughts. Before a word is even on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You you hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Even when it goes on to say, even when you're in the depths, he's there. When you lie on your bed, he's there. So God, whose knowledge of God, his glory is all over the world, means because he's all over the world, he knows all of us. And that's where our feeling comes. 
our struggle comes. How could God, who knows every intimate detail about me, love me? How could God, who knows my every thought, my wrong, my flaws, my inner struggles, how could God love me? Well, that's why I thank God this morning for the next thing we're covered with. Because the Bible talks about how we're covered over by a robe of righteousness. Isaiah 61 and 10 says this, I will greatly rejoice. A lot of praising to be done this morning, isn't there? A lot of praising. I will greatly rejoice. And the Lord, my soul shall exalt my God, for he has clothed me with a garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. God is a holy God. And I can understand why so many people feel they need to back away from him because he is holy. And the thought is, well, if I touch God, if I come close to God, I will destroy God in many respects. I will destroy his holiness. But because Jesus was sent to the cross and he died for us, his power is able to make our wrong right. When we confess our sin to him, he is able to make us right before God. He's able to put what is wrong right, that we have a righteousness not of ourselves, but of God as we stand before him. Second Corinthians 5 and 21 says this, for our, own, for our sake he made him to be sin that knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That we might become the righteousness of God all because of what Jesus did. And we're capping that state because the Lord covers every basis. You know, you might have given your life to Jesus quite recently and you already might have thought to yourself, and I have blown up because I said this and I did that and I shouldn't have done the other. You see, the Lord knew how helpless we were. And he covered every basis because he gives us First John 1 and 9. It says, if you confess your sin, he is just and will forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Do you remember the time when he took his disciples, they were out for a walk and they wanted their feet washed and had that conversation around all of that. And when the Lord offered to bath them and to clean them up, you know, saying, oh, just wash my feet, you know, and... I'm getting my metaphors in here, maybe getting mixed up here, but you know what I mean anyway. And he says, you know, when you walk with me, you don't need a bath all the time. You just need your feet washed. And when we confess our sin, he is just and he forgives us. And when you're in Christ and you've come to Christ and you're in that relationship with him, on a daily basis, he gives us that covering where we can come and ask him to forgive us of our sin. And he does, and it keeps us right with God. So here's the lovely thing. When... God looks at us. He's not looking at the old me or the real me that sometimes I struggle with, but he's looking at his son, the Lord Jesus. And listen to Titus 3, 5 to 7. His righteousness covers us even for all eternity. He saved us not because of our works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Aren't we well covered? He covers our sins. He covers us with grace. He covers us with love. And he covers us, friends, for eternity. 
His sacrifice on that cross covers us for all eternity. One more wee thing this morning, and then we're going to bring this to a close. And we sang about it this morning. Actually, I had briefly looked at the sat list this morning. But you know, during the week, I think it was, or earlier on, sort of looked at it, thought, oh, lovely, but never really took much thought of all the words except for the last song that we're going to sing this morning. But so much of it has come across, even the covering of his wings. Psalm 91 and 4 says this, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and his rampart. Do you remember this wee mobile girl at the foot of this Jewish man, Boaz, and she's saying, cover me. Bring me into relationship with you. Will you marry me? But what she was saying was, will you protect me? Will you protect me? And for us as believers, we're covered by his wings. We come under his protection. Well, Pastor, if that's what right, what about last weekend when all those people in Chicago were shot dead for going to worship you, their living God? You see, friends, There are many a story and great stories, wonderful stories about God's protection on people's lives. You know them as well as I know. There are numerous stories to count of how God has stepped in and protected people at the last moment or in difficult situations. One of the wonderful stories that I heard one time was about a car crash in America, a very dusty road, and there was a pileup. And the father and the wee boy was in the car together. And the wee boy shot out the window. And when everything, you know, it happens like that, doesn't it? But it seems to go in slow motion. And his father frantically was getting out of the car. And he was shouting for the wee boy. And he hears this wee boy Daddy, I'm over here. And there was this wee boy sitting on the curbside. He says, son, how did you get here? He says, the man in white lifted me and he put me here. God talks about protecting angels. And when they went back to the car and they looked at the car, remember it was covered in dust, and there they could see over the top of the car, it was like the robe of an angel had shaken away the dust, grabbed the wee boy and sat him down. Now you might differ and might not agree with that or think that's nonsense, but I believe God has given his guardian angels to watch over it. But what about last weekend when the folk in Sri Lanka get shot? Where was the protection of God there? God covers every basis. Because Roman 8 tells us this. Nothing separates us from the love of God. Famine, nakedness, or sword. It's difficult. Once they've tasted of heaven, they would not want to be back here they're in a better place in the presence of almighty God because God owns our souls he covers our souls our protective God my church this morning just as we bring this to a close believer are you feeling well covered this morning isn't it better than any insurance policy are you going to smile the rest of the day and look like you're a real Christian being happy because of all that the Lord has done for us but what about if you're here this morning and you're among us 
and you haven't yet committed yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, why don't you, like Ruth, as Ruth came and she lay at the feet of Boaz, her nearest redeemer, her nearest kinsman, the nearest person to her that could protect her, look after her and cover her for life. She lay at his feet and she says, will you cover me? And if you're with us this morning and you have not yet taken that step, do you know it's that one wee phrase? Lord, would you cover me? I hope you've realized this morning how great a cover we have in God and why we follow God because he covers all aspects of our life. And the truth is, he wants to cover all aspects of your life too. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes and I'm going to pray a simple prayer this morning. And if you feel this morning that you are at that place where you just need to ask God to come into relationship with you and cover you, even with all your failings and all your fallings. And this is the prayer to pray. I'm going to pray it slow. Just follow me in the prayer. And if you mean that prayer, say amen. Come and see me after service this morning over tea and donuts. And I've got a wee gift to give you this morning to help you on your way in faith. But the prayer is quite simple. Dear Lord, thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for giving your life for all the wrong that I have done. Forgive me of my sins. Accept me as your child. Help me to follow you. Cover me today with your grace and your love, your grace and your protection for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer this morning, you may not come and see me. I'd love to give you a wee leaflet to help you find out more about the Lord Jesus and how to follow Jesus to be a follower of Christ. Church, be excited. Be happy today because all the bases are covered. God is good. Let's stand and worship God in our final song. And do stay behind, have some coffee and donuts, and don't run away. Do stay and get to know as we go on.